Buddhist Geeks Discover the Emerging Face of Buddhism. Episode 253 A Mindfulness Manifesto. This week, Kelly Sosan Bear speaks with journalist, teacher, and author Ed Hallowell about his new book, The Mindful Manifesto. Buddhist Geeks is supported largely by the generosity of our listeners. If you like what we're doing, please consider making a one-time or monthly recurring donation by visiting BuddhistGeeks.com forward slash donate. Hello, Buddhist Geeks. This is Kelly Sosanbearer, and I'm joined today over Skype with Ed Hallowell, mindfulness teacher and writer at The Guardian. And today we're going to discuss his newly published book, The Mindful Manifesto. Thanks for joining us, Ed. I'm stoked that you're my first Buddhist Geeks podcast. Hi, Kelly. It's, it's lovely to be with you. Awesome. Well, you have a new book out, and it's called The Mindful Manifesto. But before we dive into that, I just wanted to get a little bit more of your Buddhist background and journey, and maybe you could share a bit about that with us and how you came to Buddhism and mindfulness and, you know, people that maybe you studied with or that influenced you in this journey, just to give a yeah. little bit of background about where you're coming from. Of course, of course. Well, I, I came uh, to meditation practice and Buddhism and mindfulness um, primarily uh, through my own experience with stress and depression. So um, I was in my 20s, I was working in the, in the media, I was working as a journalist uh, and I, I, it was kind of a fast paced, fairly unreflective world. I think it would be fair to say that I was, uh, I was in, or at least that that was my experience of it. And I basically collapsed. I basically collapsed under the weight of stress and I was desperate for ways to, to kind of work with this. I kind of realized that something was not, um, was not okay in my world and and wanted to do something about that and and that led me on a journey um through uh psychotherapy and through kind of looking at how i how i was in the world um and and kind of at several points through this um buddhism and meditation practice came up both in books i was reading and, and people would kind of say to me, Ed, have you ever thought about practicing meditation? And this, this happened often enough that I kind of reached the point where I thought, I need to do something about this and not actually just read about it, but, uh, but actually investigate this on a, on a practical level. And I was lucky enough to, to live um, very close to the Shambhala Meditation Center in London. It was literally uh, a five-minute walk from, from where I was living and so I went along and basically said, can you help me? And what I discovered in, in meditation practice, probably over a period of months and then years and, and ongoing, is that it gave me a, a way of working with my mind and my body that I didn't connect with in the same way with some of the other things that I was trying. It, it, it really gave me, started to give me a freedom um, that I'd not experienced from anything else. And, and so I guess in that sense, I was, I felt that connection and that 
connection has continued over over the years. Wow, that's really cool. So a real personal experience with mindfulness and how that actually helps you in your day-to-day. What specific things about mindfulness practice helped you the most, do you think? Um, well, there's been different elements to it. Uh, I, I mean, when I, when I came to meditation practice, um, I, I didn't know anything about mindfulness uh, in, in the form that um, we present it in the book, um, which is primarily coming from the, the mindfulness-based stress reduction uh, model. I was very much um, connecting with with Buddhism and and with uh, the the principles and practices of the Dharma, um, and and that that was so and remains so, and I continue with that sort of my path led me. I spent a year working at the the Dechen Schoeling, uh Meditation Retreat Center in France, um, and it was actually when I came back from there in early two thousand and seven. That, that I, uh, I started to um, hear about mindfulness as it's, it's presented in the, in the kind of uh, more, I guess, I don't particularly like the word secular versus religious, but, but in the kind of uh, health world, if you like. Kind of um, like the John Kabat-Zinn model, for instance. Exactly, exactly. And so I'd already, I'd already got a huge benefit. Uh, I mean, I mean, very incredibly grateful for what I've uh, discovered through through practicing Buddhism and in in that form, I think then on top of that, what the the uh, mindfulness based stress reduction model has has brought me is that kind of synergy with a Western way of of uh, approaching the mind and the body, and that combination of the great wisdom that's been passed down to us, you know, from thousands of years of, of practice and, and, and practitioners, then allied with um, the way of kind of working with the mind that comes from uh, looking at the mind uh, scientifically and from a Western psychology perspective. That combination I've found enormously powerful over, over, uh, over recent years. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing just that, that background with us. The geek in me likes to make sure that we're all on the same page with our terms and definitions. Can you share with us your definition of mindfulness and how you're using it in your book? Yeah. Um, first of all, I'm, I'm, I'd just like to say that I'm a little uh, kind of leery of definitions. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, I think um, for, for meditation practice is, is – um, something that you have to experience and and mindfulness is something that you have to experience and and um uh it is you know trying to sort of put it into words really is you know it's 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 pointing your finger at the moon as as the sort of traditional description one traditional description um has it and you know if you want to actually experience it yourself you've got to you've got to try it and see what happens however i do think the sort of uh, the the fingers can be useful as well, so um, to know where to point to, and so primarily, I guess we're using the the uh, John Kabat-Zinn one of his his definitions, which is paying attention on purpose in the present moment and non-judgmentally, um, and uh, sometimes added onto that is something along the lines of with open-hearted compassion. Um, I also like a very simple way of describing mindfulness as simply uh, observing things as they are and learning from that. I think that's a lovely, very kind of straightforward way of, of, of describing what mindfulness is. Yeah, that's um, wonderful. 
and and being somebody who who um who kind of likes uh ways of remembering things that are simple um i sometimes describe mindfulness as being uh an abc skill um the a being awareness uh the b being being with so actually staying with our experience and then that leading to choice so that freedom about um how we then uh, use what we've learned to, to hopefully uh, act more skillfully in the world. Um, so those are some ways in which we, we kind of approach mindfulness in, in the book. Um, I also love the word heartfulness, which is sometimes used as a, a kind of way of um, uh, describing mindfulness. I think it's very interesting that in the West we use that word mind and it can, it can mind tends to be uh, used to describe what's going on in the head, whereas mindfulness uh, practices and meditation practices very much about relating with mind and body. I'm also aware that uh, classical descriptions of, of uh, mindfulness in Buddhism um, may have some other uh, connotations as well, and I'm not a, I wouldn't describe myself as a Buddhist scholar in any way at all, um, but I am aware that, that there are... Um, enormously fruitful and interesting debates about uh, <laughs> what, what mindfulness means. So I think, I think in the end I come back to using these descriptions as a way of connecting with that experience of, of being. Great. Thank you so much for that. What I found really interesting about the Mindful Manifesto is that it brings together the themes of mindfulness, Buddhism, and science. And that's something that we're obviously exploring day in and day out over here at Buddhist Geeks. Why is this important and how is this helpful to Buddhism in the West, do you think, bringing together these three themes? Yeah. Well, um, science is an important mode of knowing and it's, it's a way of understanding our world from a perspective and using, uh, using a particular method or series of methods. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's the only way of understanding what's going on or the complete way of understanding what's going on. But it has great value. And it's also one that's culturally validated. That's uh, always helpful. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if you're, if you're uh, you know, I, I'm I, uh, quite often sort of uh, um, presenting on mindfulness to people who, who wouldn't set foot inside a, a, a Buddhist center. Um, and wouldn't be interested in exploring Buddhism, and, and you could um, you could sort of try to work with that, and and uh, perhaps explore what their notions of Buddhism uh, are, and you know bring them in that way. Um, but for a lot of people, that there there isn't that there isn't that connection. However, if you explain um, meditation practice from a scientific perspective and say, well, look, this is what's happening in your brain, and this is what the clinical studies are showing uh, are the potential results of, of meditation practice, then a whole range of people who previously might have dismissed meditation as being a bit flaky, a bit kind of new age or religious in a way that they, they didn't want to get into, are now able to connect with meditation and, and are benefiting from that. Uh, and I think that's... I think that's enormously important actually in, in the world that we live in where there's there's you know so much 
personal distress and uh, societal distress. And meditation practice, I believe, has a huge role to play in, in helping, helping us work with that. Um, so science is kind of a way of, of, of transmitting, transmitting the Dharma perhaps to people who wouldn't, wouldn't otherwise be able to or wouldn't otherwise approach it or, or be convinced by it. Yeah, it's kind of like science is a portal for folks that are more in the secular world, interested in mindfulness techniques per se, but not wanting to get into the religious traditional aspect of Buddhism. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, I think that's right. Cool. Well, that, that's really interesting. What do you think about the convergence of these three, of these three themes and how is that helpful to Buddhism in the West? Mm. Well, I think it, it, brings a, um, it brings a rigor to the claims of Buddhism. Uh, it's, it's all very well kind of saying, you know, as, as I might have done a few years ago. So while I've been practicing meditation for a number of years and I've noticed these, these changes in the way I relate with my experience, and some people might be you know, interested in that, and they go, well, you know, good for you. But if you have the, the methodology and the rigor of science supporting, supporting this, then I think that brings another dimension to, to practice. And I mean, the Dalai Lama says, I think, uh, he's, he said, um, and, and obviously the Dalai Lama has been very supportive of the, this kind of dialogue between uh, Western science and Buddhism. And, and, and um, you know, he said if, if science can prove tenets of, of Buddhism are mistaken, then Buddhism will have to change. The, the converse of that is that science has to and is, or scientists have, have to and are, starting to engage with Buddhism in a way that perhaps doesn't have the preconceptions that might have been there, you know, say 10, 20, certainly 30 years ago. So I think there's this creative dialogue going on, and that has benefits not just to to people who might not have uh, might not be interested in Buddhism, but it has benefits to Buddhism, Buddhism itself in in that sense of I think what we're all doing perhaps with our practice is we're inquiring, we're investigating, we're we're testing um, testing what we've been uh, what we've been told with the kind of you know in the in the fire of our own experience, if you like, and that's how we um, perhaps how we develop and how we how Western Buddhism will also kind of develop and how it will kind of come to be in, in whatever forms it, it develops into over the coming 10, 50, 100,000 years and so on. Yeah, great. So to, to dig into your book a little bit more, what's the one key principle you hope people will receive by reading the Mindful Manifesto? Mm. Well, we, we primarily aimed the book at people who perhaps might be um, skeptical about meditation practice. So there is quite a lot of uh, engagement with, with the scientific research. We wanted to present that uh, as clearly as we could. And we've also, at the same time, uh, tried to engage with the history of meditation practice, and particularly the Buddhist history of meditation practice. I think there's a lot of books uh, uh, on mindfulness, perhaps, don't go there quite as much. Um, so we thought it was very important to kind of acknowledge, actually, that there is this wisdom tradition that, that uh, uh, these practices are coming from. Um, and to kind of bring that together in a, in a way that's, that, that sort of can offer people 
um, a, a taste of the practice as well. So I guess if there's one one key principle, it would be that the great wisdom of practitioners over thousands of years is now being validated by by the methods of science and showing that that um, training in meditation, whether that's the traditional Buddhist perspective or uh, whether you're going to your your doctor or other healthcare practitioner and, and learning meditation practice in that way, this practice can change our minds and our bodies and our hearts in in the direction of greater awareness and, and, and compassion. And that's open and available to anybody who wants to engage with it. So I think that would be that would be um, my one hope for for the, the message that we uh, that we get across in the book. That's awesome, um, and something that just came up spontaneously. So feel free to decline my offer if it doesn't fit for you. But would you be willing to lead us through a one minute exercise of mindfulness, perhaps? Yeah, sure. I mean, what what I could do is. Um, do do you know the three step breathing space that's sometimes uh, used in uh, mindfulness based stress reduction courses? We could we sure. could uh, yeah. Let's go through that. Okay, so this is a practice that is taught on um, a lot of mindfulness courses. It was first used, I believe, in uh, a course called mindfulness based cognitive therapy, which which was actually developed in the UK uh, by uh, Mark Williams and his colleagues. And um, this practice is called the three-step breathing space. And so this is a practice that, that can be used uh, kind of anywhere, anywhere. So uh, it's, it's something that uh, hopefully you can engage with wherever you are right now. And so first of all, taking a upright, dignified posture wherever you are. If you're sitting in a chair, then feeling the connection of your bottom on the chair and your feet on the ground. So feeling that connection with earth. And also sensing your, your body rising up into the air. So perhaps if you're sitting on a chair, then having your back away from the back of the chair so that your spine's self-supporting. And um, keeping your eyes open or closed as you prefer. And the first step is acknowledging. So acknowledging what's present in your experience right now. What's, what's going on in your, in your thoughts? What's going through your mind? Acknowledging what's present also in your emotional experience at the moment. Feeling what's present, perhaps uh, sensations in the body. Just noticing where any uh, emotions that you're feeling are being expressed in the body. And body sensations also more generally. So any pain or discomfort or restlessness, tiredness, whatever it may be. So acknowledging, acknowledging what's, what's here, what's present right now.
And so the second step is gathering. And for this step, gathering your attention into the breath. So coming to rest your attention on the breath, maybe in the uh, lower abdomen. And sensing the flow of the breath, the waves of the breath as they flow in and out of your body. Just this breath, this moment. And now the third step is expanding. So expanding your awareness from the point of attention at the, uh, the breath and the lower abdomen and the belly and expanding that out to bring awareness to the whole of your experience in your body. So including thoughts, emotions, body sensations, and resting now with this wider awareness of what's going on. Perhaps expanding this also to space around you, what's uh, going on in your environment. And as best you can, just being with whatever's present for you here in this moment. And now letting go and coming out of the practice and opening your eyes if they've been closed and just connecting in with what's around you. And seeing the possibility perhaps for continuing that connection, that, that mindfulness that we've been cultivating over the last few moments together. Continuing perhaps to notice that connection through, uh, through the, next, the next period of the day, whatever it is that you're, you're moving on to do next. Join us for the fourth annual Buddhist Geeks Conference, hosted in partnership with Mindful Cyborgs and Shambhala Sun from October 16th through the 19th in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. This year's conference will be exploring the convergence of Buddhism with modern culture and technology through informative keynote presentations, idea-packed TED-style talks, self-organizing community dialogues, and contemplative workshops and practice periods. This year's list of presenters includes the world's most quantified man, Chris Dancy, abbot of the village Zendo in New York City, Roshi Pat Enkyo O'Hara, and pragmatic Dharma provocateur, Daniel Ingram, as well as many others. For more information and to register, visit BuddhistGeeks.com conference. 
After nearly a year in private beta, the Buddhist Geeks Network is now open for any independent practitioners who want to engage in interdependent practice. You can find out more about the Buddhist Geeks Network by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. And if you'd like to join the community and join us in regular social meditation practice or other events that we host there in the network, all freely offered, you're very welcome to do so, again, by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. Love to see you there.